Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. We may as well start because it's 12.01, and I want to thank uh, the, the attendees that did come in. And feel free. I know you guys are in the back, but if you want to come up closer because we'd love to uh, get anyone who has questions, we've got a microphone there and, and make this you know a, a chance for you guys to ask questions as well. But uh, thank you for coming to the 10th Annual Comic Book All-Stars panel of podcasting. Uh, my name is John Suntress. I host a podcast called Word Balloon. I started in 2005, and I'm very pleased uh, with the panel that we were able to assemble today. And I will let uh, the panelists introduce themselves. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Uh, and one of the three uh, talking heads on uh, More to Come, the PW Comics World podcast. I'm Kay Callum. I write for Pop Arts Place. And I do a few podcasts with John Mayo, who will give a better introduction. <laughs> Hi, I'm John Mayo of Comic Book Page. I also do some writing for uh, Comic Book Resources on the sales figures. I've been podcasting since 2006. I started out as a guest spot on some other shows and then started the Comic Book Page podcast in 2007. We've been going weekly ever since, sometimes three times a week. We're getting really close to having our 1,000th episode. Wow, nice. God, I'm like under 600 still. And I've been over 10 years. We've gone past 100 hours or 1,000 hours of content. Uh, We do everything. a week. I'm impressed. Well, we always do uh, one a week that's a review show that always has a DC comic, a Marvel comic, and some other comic, unless we need to record early, in which case, whatever we can get preview copies of. Uh, so sometimes Marvel and DC have lost out. We do episodes on the previews of what's coming out so we can support creators we enjoy and stuff with their new works. Um, we've done uh, subscription box lights on things like Loot Crate, the Marvel Collector Core, stuff like that. Uh, Kay has joined us on uh, many reviews of movies and television shows and stuff because, let's face it, in this day and age, Comics are not just about the physical comic books. These properties have taken over the mass media. And I like mass media, too. So we're, we're covering all that. I love your Loot Crate uh, episodes. And honestly, hearing you guys talking about that, I, I, honestly, it's cool because it is something that I considered. And it was nice hearing people who have actually bit the bullet and done it and what kind of stuff you get. The, the origin of that actually goes to uh, Orphan Black. Uh, the uh, comic had sold through the roof. I was tracking the numbers and I'm like, what's going on with this? I look at the Loot Crate website because it's like they've, they've caused this before. Sure enough, it was going to be in there. It looked like. And it's like, oh, I've got a couple of days before the deadline for that Loot Crate. What the heck? I'll order that. We'll do an episode. We'll see what happens. We've gotten really good feedback. It was great. It's, it's fun. It, it's also the easiest episode for me to produce because we sit down. <laughs> we open a box. We, we, we ramble for a bit. We're done. I edit. It's up. I don't have to read anything. I don't have to watch anything. I don't have to crunch any numbers. No, but you give me a pop culture pop quiz that I fail as we go through the box. I've read just about everything in the Marvel and DC universes for like 25 years or something. I follow a lot of TV mm. shows. I fail the pop quiz sometimes. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> now, our, our final panelist, I'm, I'm going to introduce and, and let him let him talk because uh, it's a, a wonderful comic book writer who's, who's done excellent work on his own. Also for uh, DC and Marvel, currently writing action comics 
uh, the powerless Superman right now, or slightly powerful, uh, did wonderful runs on uh, things like Hercules and the Incredible Hulk, the man behind Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, and uh, looking forward to the all-new, all-different Hulk coming in the fall, <laughs> Greg Pak, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, thank you, thank you. Uh, no, 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 thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> Smattering for Greg Pak. Exactly. We like yeah, Greg Pak. It's all right, man. Um, no, I'm, I'm uh, thrilled to be here. I actually started in comics around the time you started in podcasting. Uh, it, my first book came out in November 2004. It was a Warlock book for Marvel. Awesome. And uh, I think that my first Comic-Con was... Uh, I think it was the, well, it was the first New York Comic Con, which was 2005, oh. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And I, I think I made it. was either five or six, yeah, when they shut down the room. Yes. yes with the fire marshals. Yeah. It was yeah. either 2005 yeah. or 2006. They, they outlawed yeah. backpacks. You couldn't bring them back in. Shut, getting that shutdown was sort of proof of concept for, yeah. uh, because for attendees, for attendees, and for the Reed exhibition, who were you know used to doing trade shows and not used to doing uh. consumer shows, and they gave basically gave them too small space, and we proved it that it was way too small a space. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, they, I mean, I think the whole Comic Con was in the area where they just do uh, the Artist Alley now, or is, is that right? It, it was, was downstairs the- in one of those. It's it's hard to describe it now if you unless you have unless you've seen the Javits Center, but it wasn't the main floor. Yeah. And and it was just a really small area, and uh, it's funny because Heidi and I actually worked with some of the organizers in the run up, and we were looking at each other and saying, "Not big enough. This yeah. is going to be uh, hopefully a mild disaster, not a really horrific disaster." <laughs> uh, and it was somewhere in between a mild and a horrific. Disaster. Well, I mean, they were thrilled because it was so huge, you know. Yeah, but, it was um, just the fans were. But it, but it was funny because it got bad. They locked down the the, the what <laughs> yes. was the main floor, and you literally would they would let people in like by twenty, and as soon as twenty people would leave, they'd let twenty people in, yeah. and it wasn't just attendees. I know Victor Gorlick from Archie Comics. He's like, I'm the president of Archie Comics. I demand to get on that floor. Yeah. They're like, hey, the fire marshal. It's uh, sorry, sir. I don't care who the hell you are. And Dan DiDio from DC was waiting like, oh, oh wait, I don't care. What the hell? Are yeah, I'll talk yeah. to the I think fans. Frank Miller couldn't get in the hall. He had to get yeah, the panel. Man. It was, and yeah. then some of us knew that we were stuck in there. So we kept circling the same small area. And it was like a zombie convention. Like, all right, there's DC again. There's Marvel. There's Archie. <laughs> yeah. And there's Brendis. And there's DC and Marvel again. I mean, it was ridiculous, man. Well, Greg, I, I'm curious because because you did start around the same time that podcasting, you know, podcasting only began really in late 2004. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, I know uh, Adam Curry certainly was, you know, they call him the godfather of podcasting in general. Um, but there were only a few shows. I started in May of 2005. Uh, Neil Gorman, Comics Geek Speak, uh, Fanboy Radio was a radio show out of Texas before it yeah. became a podcast. They existed before. But yeah, what was your first encounter with a podcast? You know, I don't remember, but I know that I you interviewed me very early on. So did Jimmy Aquino. Uh, Comic News Insider, another 2005 alum. Also, Evie. Um, what was, was... I Read Comics, was that? No, that's Leah Taylor. Uh, it was like ABC's... Uh, I can't remember the name of the... Oh, I, I, you know, and that's... And really, you know, in the 10 years, when we started yeah. in 06... God, uh, Jimmy Aquino, Comic Geek Speak. So Comic News Insider, Comic Geek Speak. I Fanboy was well, at that um, first panel. Chris Marshall uh, was there. Chris earlier. Marshall, Collected Comics yeah. Library. Uh, Augie DeBleek from yeah. CBR, oh, Comic yeah. Book Resources, was still doing a Pipeline podcast. Leah Taylor, I Read Comics. That's the ones I remember from yeah. that first panel. So I mean, I, I, I've done. I've been a guest on many, many. I've been a very grateful guest on many, many podcasts over the years. I, I <laughs> you actually, videoed a podcast on YouTube for a while where you're doing a Skype conversation. Uh, a very <laughs> brief podcast. <laughs> How long did you do that for? I, I, I had like three or four episodes. Although I will be, I'll, you had I'll fun very people. proudly uh, claim. Uh, 
a little credit for uh, doing a podcast with Kelly Sue DeConnick when she was first coming out with her um, I remember that. Cool. her Captain Marvel. We did a Very little cool. thing because I, that was also the t- same time uh, Extreme X-Men was starting. And so we both had these uh, books with uh, female leads, and that was felt like a fun thing to talk about and all that. But, um, and which but, were you writing? Was that Storm? or uh... No, no, that's when I was doing Extreme X-Men. Oh, so okay. I, yeah, because that and Captain Marvel launched it around the same time. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, it's, I, I have a lot of respect for what you guys do because I've, I've tried to do it and it's, it's not easy. It takes a lot of time. It seems like, you know, you just sit down and talk, but then just the, the whole mechanics of editing the whole thing and, and, uh, just, and, and, and just keeping it on a schedule and keeping that thing going. Like you have to, I mean, my impression is that if you really want it to work, you have to make a thousand episodes. Like you're yeah. saying, you have to let, it's, it's about longevity, right? You're and, absolutely and right. You're showing up and, and showing consistency. And I mean, literally Johnny Appleseed, one listener at a time. I remember the first time I had over a hundred listeners for a single episode and I was thrilled yeah. and it was great. Very early on, Micro Ringo, I had Jeff Parker on and I really wanted to talk to him about one of his creator owned comics called the inner man. And three days after I posted the pod, I got an email from uh, Mike Ringo out of the blue saying, hey, I'm a friend of Jeff's. I'm having trouble figuring out how to download your show. And I'm like, Mike, would you please come on my show? <laughs> and, and, and here's how to do it. He came on and really, he was such a good guy. And, I, and we all miss him, uh, those of us who knew him and also his fans, and was a great critical ear because I'm like, all right, dude, like, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And because he, he had been on Fanboy Radio a few times. Scott Hines, and also an, a guy who was on that original podcast panel, uh, I, I really always have to like kind of tip my cap to him because I think in the modern era, uh, kind of starting in 2000 with Fanboy Radio, um, that really inspired me to start doing my podcast. What inspired you guys over at Publishers Weekly? You do an excellent job blogging, but you know why yeah, well, adding the dimension know, of podcast? It's interesting. Uh, uh, it wasn't me. I'll tell you because I actually was reluctant to do the podcast. Um, I, I wasn't a podcast necessarily fan. My wife listens to podcasts constantly. Uh, really, uh, our producer, Kate, who actually started out, I can't even remember when, a few years ago, as our intern in the comics department. And, and she, as she grew older and started doing different things, uh, but she kept, and she's also very technically adept. Um, and, and, and I'm not necessarily. Uh, and Heidi is. Heidi's adept at everything. Um, but, uh, they, they were really wanted to do it. And I was like, ah, we've got enough work to do, as you mentioned. You know, it's, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, and then when actually, and then I think we actually only did it every, at the beginning, I think we only did it every two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. <clears throat> bi-monthly, yeah, or bi-weekly. Um, yeah. And then they, and as soon as we started doing it that way, um, they wanted to go weekly. And I, and I was like, well, let's, let's, we'll hold on there. <laughs> you know, cause I have to write about more than comics. And, um, but, uh, you know, and, and also it was interesting. We, uh, our management, we had, we had been, uh, I think our podcast started in 2011. We had just been acquired, uh, PW had been owned for many years by a gigantic global octopus like company. Uh, and they had got tired of us. We were, we were a classic old media with, uh, no digital strategy and a lame website and uh, shrinking uh, profit margins. And they were going to sell the company or shut us down. We were acquired. And it was just a whole new world. And we had a new management. They, you know, they were, they knew what we did in comics, but, you know, they, what happens very often is they are not comics readers themselves. Mm. So they're always a little dubious of the whole enterprise, you know, I mean, I mean like, why are we doing this? So, uh, we didn't have the technology. We really didn't have a podcast unit on our CMS, you know, 
But Kate rigged up this, you know, jerry-rigged, um, glitchy system. Uh, we, we were having problems getting it on iTunes, but, you know, you could go to the website and stream it. And we just did it, and we basically learned how to do the thing by doing it. So uh, I have since changed my mind. <laughs> I guess. Uh, it's still a lot of work because uh, we are weekly now, and we alternate, um, you know, our, and I should say that's Heidi McDonald. Me and Kate the Simmons, um, and, and, and Heidi also being the PW uh, graphic novel reviews editor, in addition to running in our spare time the equivalent of you know the New York Times of comics, the beat. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I don't know how she does it, but she, but somehow she does. And uh, so uh, so as we built Stina, basically learn how to do it. And I mean, I, I've um, I mean, you can listen to. That first one we did. Right? Sure. No, all of and our archives, I think, I from the know. beginning. I, I think it's pretty, I mean, we talk about interesting stuff, but I think it's pretty awful. But <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You know, I, I, I'll say the audio, which we all struggle with initially, yeah. audio, like we, we kind of figure out from a technical standpoint yeah. how to do a better show, mm -hmm. and your audio has since improved. Yes. The content, honestly, and I'm not being nice, from day one, and it's one of the reasons why I was really glad mm -hmm. to see you guys doing it, mm -hmm. all of you, and women. Uh, was the fact that your perspective, I mean, God, Calvin, you've been covering the beat for, <laughs> since the eighties. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm not to age you or anything like that, but, no, absolutely. but, but no, truly, that's, that's when I started, but that's the great thing. Yeah. And you've gained an incredible perspective. John has been doing it for seven years yeah. or eight yeah. years now. And I mean, that's the thing. And as we do it with the longevity, we gain this kind of perspective. So no, it was really great to hear. And I want to point out everyone's specialties and stuff. John and Kay on, on their show, they really crunch. Uh, the numbers. And I know that's always been John Strong suit and originally would come on shows as a guest. Yeah. But, um, so if you really want to get a perspective of, you know, how books are selling, why books might be canceled and stuff, I, I would point you to John's show in particular. And that's why I was looking forward to having him on these discussions. And Greg is pressed for time and I don't want to. I've got make, a few more. Got, okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Cause yeah, you, you know, you either wave or whatever. Yeah, and I'm I'll, trying to I'll clock watch as well. But while you're here, I want, I still want to get your perspective. You've been doing great mainstream work for DC and Marvel. You've also been doing a lot of creator-owned things, Kickstarter campaigns. In fact, I know you're about to launch a new Kickstarter. Yeah, campaign. I've got stickers for you too. So, uh, so oh, that's I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll hand those out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very cool. But yeah, I mean, you know, has you know, has podcasting helped in a different way that say the bloggers oh, yeah. and the and the news websites have helped you? Yeah, I mean, I was I was telling you about this on the phone the other day. Um, just in the last couple of weeks, I had a few different people. Uh, talk about podcasts and talk about, I mean, a few different creators talk about podcasts and how, how important they've been, you know. Uh, a friend of mine was um, at uh, the New York Special Edition, uh, tabling at the New York Special, a, a comics creator, and he said that um, he had done a podcast, I think he'd done the pan, um, I can't, variant, he'd done the variant uh, podcast. Variant edition? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and he said that uh, just a huge number of people came up and uh, came up to his table and said, oh, yeah, I, I saw you on the Variant Edition. I heard you on the Variant Edition. You know, I mean, like, that, that's – podcasts are, are a critical way for folks to, you know, get the word out. Um, and then and then another thing, I, I've been talking to a bunch of different retailers because I'm coming out with a new creator-owned book. And, and if you're doing a creator-owned book, you really need to develop relationships with retailers because retailers are really the, your customers. That's the real audience, yes. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the retailers are the ones who order the books, you know. So <laughs> so, so it, it, as an aside, if you want to support a book, the very best thing you can do to support a book is to pre-order it. Uh, go to your retailer, your local retailer, and tell them you want the book before it comes out because then they'll actually buy it. 
from the uh, from the publisher, and then the book can continue to get made, hopefully. <laughs> so, um, but um, but so I've been talking to some retailers, and um, just in passing, one of the retailers. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were just talking about this book I had coming out, and he's like, "Oh yeah, and you got to do. Po- Everybody listens to podcasts, so you got to got to be doing those podcasts." Outstanding. Which I what you know, which was uh, I mean. I, I shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was, I mean, that was nice kind of to a hear. pleasant surprise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's nice to hear. Larry's Comics, I know, has told me in the past, and he's an East Coast retailer, and he's like, oh, dude, I play your show in the store all the time, which is like, yeah, that's, an, yeah, yeah. that's a high compliment. Yeah. And also kind of makes sense because that's the great thing, mm-hmm. and it's good that it's evolved just beyond print. And and I appreciate all the video the video bloggers out there that do it and do it on YouTube and the various platforms as well. But I really, I know myself, always felt dissatisfied with how little space you got in the previous catalog. And to be honest, a lot of other news blogs, and I, and I say that because, again, they, they do great in-depth interviews of Publishers Weekly and at The Beat, but um, you just get only so much from a press release. And I think it is better to hear right from the horse's mouth Tell us about the comic. Tell us what inspired you. What well, made you want to do this? And, you know, and the reach is pretty amazing, too. I mean, we have gotten um, notes. We got recently a note from a guy in Sweden, and he just... Isn't that great? Yeah, and I, I'm not sure yes. whether he's an American who's living there. Of the, you know, English was very good, I mean, in terms of the writing. But he talked about how much he loved the podcast, that the news that he, you know, he hears news he doesn't necessarily hear everywhere. But, I mean, that's a pretty, uh, that's pretty great to Hell hear yeah. that... You know, you're getting fans on other continents. This you know? is like a wedding. Like, who who traveled the farthest to you listen know, to yeah. our podcast? Johnny, who who's uh, the furthest uh, that you've got? Uh, I had one from Australia. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nicholas Scott. I mean, it's and it's great. I mean, and I've had several like you know fans tell me as well. But Nicholas Scott, the working artist and stuff, who's about to do a new book with Greg uh, Rucka. And I first knew her because she enjoyed my show in a show called Around Comics that's no longer around and um, blew our minds. And and also, uh, oh God, I can't remember the artist's name, but it was B. Claymore's artist on Hawaiian Dick. Was it Nick Darrington, I want to say? Or? Oh, I forget. I can't remember. But anyway. Uh, but And you know, uh, Greg, I was really happy to have you and John Colton on oh, yeah. talking about uh, Code Monkey Save World. And John, if you don't know, John's a podcast pioneer. He would do a song a week. Yep. And really, was what kind of science was John's background? Well, he was a computer. He he did computer science, and he was a programmer. Um, so okay. he, uh, but he's a he's he, he had to sing. That was what was in his heart. Um, and uh, so, but no, he had, you know he worked. His day job was you know doing computer programming, and um, he. Uh, but at a certain point, he uh, started taking advantage of the magical future world we live in, and started writing songs and posting them on the internet. And uh, yeah, I guess, and I guess technically that was a podcast. Absolutely, when it first started. Yeah, so, it was on iTunes as a podcast yeah. and everything, and you could download it. Right. And and yeah, that's why when when uh, Greg told me about uh, that he wanted to take John's songs and make a graphic novel collection of stories based on the songs and stuff, I'm like, oh, it'd be great to have you and John on if it's okay. And I was thrilled because John turned his hobby and passion into mm-hmm. a living career, and he tours and has a huge body of fans. Yep. And a lot of downloads each week, and he's no, he's a very successful yeah. internet sensation. So yes. it's Inter- not internet just superstar musician, Jonathan yeah. Colton. It's, to- it's totally yeah. true. <laughs> you know, did you guys, if you saw Glee, one of the sad notes of John Colton's thing, uh, he did a very funny arrangement of "Baby Got Back" that was very mellow, and Glee used it and used his arrangement, just kind of appropriated it, which was kind of lousy. And but you know uh, you know again well, he even he even changed the lyrics to refer to himself as Johnny C and they they used those lyrics that he changed in their version oh, of God. it was like wow. obviously came directly from yeah, yeah. and but, Fox yeah. is like oh well 
try and sue us. And, <laughs> yes. and it's like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> what are you going to do? But, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, Greg, you want to, did you want to mention any of the, the stuff that you got coming up? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I also want to just say two things Please. about podcasting that, I mean, one of the things that I've really appreciated is that, um, when you're coming out, I mean, it doesn't matter what level you work at in comics. You you got to hustle. You know what I mean? You got to get out there. You got to get people to pay attention to your books. The you know like the biggest companies don't have much marketing dollars. You know what I mean? And and so if you want your book to sell, you got to help sell it. Uh, and um and so uh, being able to talk to folks like you guys, you know what I mean, who are doing it, you know, who are just as passionate and out there hustling yourselves. But but that's. The fact that there are people out there who have created a space, you know, to talk about this stuff is amazing. You know what I mean? Just to have the chance to to uh, to to talk with like-minded people and get get the word out is uh, tremendous. Um, and I had one other sort of uh, big thought about podcasting that just escaped me. Well, if you, if you want, I'll let you think for a moment because I was going to say in these last ten years, it's been very interesting because when we started, it was very easy to go up to Jeff Johns. And say, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? And he was excited to do it because it was this new thing. And he was very appreciative. As the companies have gotten bigger and become a bigger and a more important part of their conglomerate, the level of access has diminished. I have to say, in fairness, not the case at Marvel. Marvel has been incredibly kind to me over the years. And I pretty much can talk to anybody I want to. And that's nice. And it's based, I think, on the fact that after doing it for 10 years, they know that it's not going to be a gotcha interview or anything like that. And that it's a place to truly talk about the book in, in a positive way and get people excited about it. Cause we are fans and we like the work. If we didn't like it, we wouldn't talk to those people. Calvin, I know you came from a, uh, you know, obviously the background of publishers weekly, and I don't know if that access has diminished as well for you, but I know I wanted to ask John as well. So, uh, you know, Marvel's always a little odd sometimes really? to deal with. Uh, but I, I can't say, I mean, we alternate, I said we alternate, uh, our talking heads with, uh, some sort of interview. I mean, being in New York, uh, also, once again, being around Heidi McDonald, who knows everybody. True. It's not, I haven't really found it, um, that big a problem to, to, now my focus tends to be not the non-superhero, you know, indie comics publishing, right. uh, and the like. And they welcome, obviously, the attention and a- the Absolutely. Access, yeah. Uh, and, and because since we are living in a world, I mean, we're publishers weekly. Our, our focus is the book trade. Uh, now we certainly do look at the comic shop market. They're very important to us too. We've had to, uh, and we also see our, our, our role as sort of translating the world of the comics industry into, uh, a version that book trade people can understand. Absolutely. Cause they, you know, it, the comics industry does things in its own way and very often they're very different from, how the general book trade works. Certainly. Uh, certainly the direct market. You know, nobody quite understand non-returnable stuff. For instance, yeah. that really sort of makes hit, hit scratches among editors. But I, we, I have access to a lot of, you know, I, I'm known actually for writing about comics in the book trade. Many of the editors who are working or are doing, um, comics actually, uh, were very, were very thankful to Publishers Weekly for actually giving them cover at a time when their, uh, their heads of their houses didn't really understand it. So I, I, we have we have pretty good access. We know people. Uh, most of our interviews actually are done at shows because that's in fact that's what we're doing now. Sure, we're, we're we're getting short interviews with people all over the. Con. You've been posting them all week too. Haven't we post them all. We're going to. As I said, I was uh, interviewing the Batgirl crew just before I got here. So uh, you know, uh, Cameron Stewart and uh, Brendan uh, Fletcher, Fletcher very, very and Bab Star. Brendan is hilarious. Yeah. Oh Brendan yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And they were all really yeah. great. And uh, so. 
I can't say that it's a problem. Uh, we we talked it. Now Marvel is always interesting. I mean, D, it's interesting. DC is changing a little bit these days. I think uh, opening this, up or getting. Tougher. I think it's tougher. To me, I they're more so, like so. Marvel now. I mean, I used to, but I think a lot of that is dude, they moved to the West Coast. A lot of the people that I knew. I mean, when I started writing about comics, the DC people there, I mean, um, uh, you know, Paul Levitz was still running. Sure. And they were very anxious and very excited that PW was paying attention to them. They were seeing that the book trade was going to become more and more important to comics. I thought they were pretty visionary. But, you know, it's changed there now. And it's, if you can believe so, it's, to me, it's more corporate, even though they were always a oh, giant no, corporation. Agreed. Absolutely. It's way more corporate. Oh, yeah. Now, for this, you know, I didn't, now, now I've had some new context. I didn't, I, you know, we haven't had, Big problems. I've talked to people today, and you know, so you never know. But yeah, I, I would say I, I can't say we have a problem, and interviews are becoming more and more important to us. So very cool. Yeah. And Greg, I know I know you're you're getting ready to go. So <laughs> I, I don't know if your thought occurred to you as you're signing. Uh, yeah, you know, it did. Send some stuff out. Um, and my thought was that people. Um, Learn in different ways. People acquire information in different ways, right? Absolutely. Uh, some people need visual aids to learn. You know, this is just an educational reality. And uh, some people totally learn just through, di you know, through diagrams. Some people learn through text. Some people have to hear it. And and the the great thing about podcasting is that it allows you to reach people, a whole other group of people. You know, some people are only going to, some people are going to listen to podcasts while they're driving to work and coming back home. Absolutely. You're not going to sit down and read something on a website. You know what I mean? And if all you're doing is, you know, doing print interviews, you're never going to reach those folks. So, right. so I, I love the fact that there are a, a wide variety of places to reach people, and the podcasts are one of them. Um, just a quick seg: I'm doing uh, the two projects I'd I'd love to plug today. Uh, one is Kingsway West. It is a, a a new book coming out through Dark Horse in the fall, and it's about a Chinese gunslinger searching for his for his wife in an old west overrun with magic. Um, and you can actually pre-order it today at kingswaywest.com. And these are nifty uh, little mini posters, which I'm going to leave here for you. So feel free to come up and grab Oh, fantastic. Cool. And I, I just signed some, too. And then the other, uh, the other nifty thing is a project called ABC Disgusting, which is an alphabet book about disgusting things. Um, because kids love disgusting things and anything to get kids to read, right? Um, it's, uh, drawn by Takeshi Miyazawa and, uh, and, and by the rest of the art team, uh, behind both Code Monkey Save World and The Princess Who Saved Herself, which were the two Jonathan Colton projects that I worked on previously. It's up on Kickstarter right now. So, uh, feel free to check it out at abcdisgusting.com. And we have some disgusting stickers featuring a farting Zorilla here for you. So, uh, and a Zorilla is like a skunk-like animal that, uh, whose name conveniently starts with a Z which is very helpful when you're doing an alphabet book. Um, so I've got some of these stickers up here for you, too. I'm going to probably slip away uh, quietly in, in the next no. couple of minutes, but thank you so much for having me. Indeed, and no, truly, thanks, thanks for making time for us today, and thank you for being accessible uh, to us and to our podcast as well, because honestly, um, you're, a, you're a great voice in comics, and I'm glad that you've found an audience uh, of readers, and, and we're happy to... Help uh, spread the word. And, you know, again, uh, from a mainstream standpoint, too, uh, Greg is coming back to uh, The Incredible Hulk. I don't know. Is it called All New, All Different Hulk? What's no, it called? it's called The Totally Awesome Hulk. Oh, there you go. Uh, so, so, like, every, time every time we mention the book, it sounds like we're quoting a review. There's kind of a clue as to perhaps like the, the new identity for the Hulk. Book. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> it, does, it does involve a totally new Hulk uh, who is indeed going to be totally awesome. It's, uh, it's not Bruce Banner as the Hulk. It's somebody else. Uh, there will be a whole mystery about um, what what is up with Banner. Uh, uh, and it's uh, it's drawn by the great Frank Cho, 
who's oh, somebody great. I wanted to work with yeah. for years. Fantastic. He's got Terrific just a tremendous, uh, yeah, sure. tremendous line art, tremendous action, and, and just uh, really great character work. He's, uh, he's and he's eaten it up. Um, and the colors are by uh, 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 um, Obak. I just. I just spaced on her first name. Uh, uh, I don't know. We're, we're all spacing on names. Yeah, and, then, and I always feel bad because the colorists are the ones that I always forget. Well, she's amazing. And she's amazing. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, as soon as I walk off stage, I'm gonna remember it. But, so um, you can shout it at the end of the hall if you want <laughs> to yes. remember as you're walking out. But, but Ms. Obeck is amazing, and I've been seeing pages, and uh, they may. I don't know whether or not we're gonna tease them. I'm gonna be on the, on on uh, the. Um, uh, Sonia Obeck. Oh, Sonia. Oh, yeah, Sonia yeah I, was, okay. I had Sophia in my head. I knew that was wrong. Okay. Sonia. Um, so, uh, uh, but I'm going to be on the Cup of Joe panel in, oh, great. in a couple hours, and I don't know. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll show something there. We'll see. Excellent. Um, but, and I know we're gonna we're gonna have a longer word balloon uh, coming up in the weeks ahead, and Greg will uh, you know be able to relax and, and talk to us more. And also, I just want to acknowledge on action right now because. I was skeptical, and I mean, Greg, even before this current status quo of Superman, was writing an excellent Superman, and I mm-hmm. do mean that. But um, right out of the gate, uh, post-convergence, a very intriguing level of where Superman is, right, and yeah. a lot of fun seeing this kind of action comics number one leaping over buildings and kind of strong, but certainly <laughs> yeah. not the powerhouse yeah. he used to be, and Superman dealing with that, getting inside of his head. And also the reaction from Metropolis. If you are not reading, the first two issues of Greg's run, a run post-convergence are available now. Thanks so much. Yeah, that's yeah. Action 41 and 42, co-written with the great Aaron Cooter, who is also the artist on the book. And it's just tremendous working with him. But, uh, but yeah, please do check it out. And thanks, thank you for, again, thanks again for having me, everybody. Thanks for coming, man. Truly, really appreciate it. Greg Pack, everybody. Fantastic. And Johnny, I wanted to ask you, yeah, as far as, uh, you know, access and everything. I mean, you don't do as many interviews as, as Calvin and I do. But. I I leave that to you guys. You do it okay. much better than I do. And the scheduling for me is always a little bit of a problem. Sure. I've got the day job, all that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for the access, uh, for me, it comes down to review copies and stuff. Okay. Normally what I review, I do it a week and a half after the book is out. So you guys have had a chance to read it and I'm not spoiling stuff. Not spoiling things. That's That's big to me. You know, I think it's only fair to creators like Greg Pack and stuff to let them tell the story and let you experience the story as they're telling it, not just how I'm doing it. But I recently had to uh, record a bunch of those review episodes early because I was going on a trip, going to be off, off the internet for a while. So I needed review copies. So I sent out emails to a bunch of companies. Uh, Marvel uh, was very prompt in saying, no, sorry, not going to do that. And it's like, hey, that's their choice. That's unfortunate. Uh, DC, I think I caught them at a bad time because of the move to Burbank. They forwarded it to one group. It just didn't happen. Okay, fine. That happens. These are big companies. I'm just a small podcast. I get that. Uh, but there were some other uh, publishers. Valiant was very quick to, here's what we've got, that kind of stuff. Uh, Dark Horse, uh, Aub does a great job with Aub getting driver, stuff yeah. out. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah, even no, need to email him because he already was giving stuff out enough ahead of time. I was able to review a Dark Horse book every week. Boom's good at that. Boom, excellent uh, image with their press uh, yes. FTP site. Oh yeah, they're a little slower these days getting them up there. Um, I had to record the episode that goes up Monday, uh, this coming Monday, before I left uh, to come here for San Diego, and it was like the day before the books were released that they got up. Okay. So there are a few things there where I think there's some room for improvement, but they're at least trying. They're reaching out to the podcast. They're they're doing what they can. Excellent. You know, and uh, you know, with, we've got plenty of time, and we're going to continue the conversation. But if you guys do have questions, we do have a microphone, and would love to hear any thoughts you have. And and really, uh, podcast any podcasters in the audience? There are not just listeners. Okay. Do do people listen? Uh, you know, any uh, listeners of podcasts or. 
getting out of the sun. There you go. What kind of what podcast do you listen to? It's all valid. <laughs> Which one? And nobody said anything. All right, good. I was just listening to myself, obviously, breathe. That's okay, though. That's all good. No, I hope, and we'll, we'll continue our conversation. And again, we've, we've got the mic there. So if you guys want to yeah. join the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. If you want, if you guys want to jump in, two guys are like, you go. No, you go. <laughs> no, I understand that. No, you know, um, and, and really, I, I want to ask, um, you guys as well, um, and women and K, uh, you guys and K, uh, in terms of, you know, the changing demographics in the market and stuff and the impact it's having. Um, I was at a good women in geek business panel last night. And they were very quick to point out, you know, we've always been reading, and Kay, I will, I, I will say that you're probably one of those people as well. So go, yeah, we're not, we didn't just come to the party. We've been here from day one. But the great thing is with social media, they have a much louder voice now and literally can tell the publisher, Hey, you're doing it wrong. Stop yeah. doing it. And we've literally seen content change in a way that I can't think of very many other mediums. You know, we certainly can't yell at our TVs and say, no CSI, do it this way. You know, or, or various shows or whatever yeah. and movies and things like that. So it's interesting as comics grows that it is still this very much fan level, uh, medium that really readership can make a serious impact and difference. But I think that's one of the impacts the comic industry is having on other industries is we're starting to see that blurring of, of the fan culture, the fan creation stuff going into movies, into television with all the crowdsourced stuff. I mean, all the panels that were in this room here at the Central Library yesterday were all about web series. And many of them have actors from Star Trek, Babylon 5, big sure. people. And we're starting to see the lines really blur in a very interesting way where the fans not only can have that kind of communication and feedback towards the comic companies, but now towards the types of movies and television shows and web series that get developed. Yeah, they're content creators as well as the audience. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it, I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty clear. I mean, you look at what's happening on creative teams. Uh, I was at the I, I covered the Eisners last night, and, you know, my story today, I called it, you know. It's, Talk about the Eisners, because I, 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 I wasn't there, was, but I, I heard said it the was la- I said it was ladies' night at, at the, the Eisners. I mean, uh, you know, Jillian and Mariko Tamaki won the, uh, the as I interpreted the best book of the year, essentially. I mean, they won the last award is given now, which is the best new graphic novel of the year. Uh, the Lumberjanes creators, Noel Stevenson and mm-hmm. the editor, Shannon Waters, they, they won. Uh, Raina Telgemeier won, I think, her third Eisner. I think she won in 2005 and 2011. Uh, she won a, uh, Best Writer Artist. Um, El Defo, and I can't remember El the name. El Defo, Cece Bell. Yeah. Uh, Abram Comics Art. Be my buddy's Art and Franco, but it's cool. And, and she's got a wonderful story, so I'm very happy you know, for her. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I do think in, in the conversation, uh, uh, some of the discussion around uh, diversity and certainly for gender was necessarily aimed at the at the the superhero genre, uh, perhaps more than alternative comics, where there has certainly been a lot of, of women, but the, it's it's really a new day now. And I think more importantly, as we see the demographics of shows like Comic Con changing, yeah, uh, it's become more and more evident that. You know, things have to change, that there's a yeah. new voices to be listened to. And also, let's be for real, money to be made. Exactly. If oh, you're, yeah. you're publishing, in the end of the day, they're here to publish what people want to read. Well, opportunity. I mean, that's the great thing at this Women in uh, Geek Business panel last night. I'm like, this is great because they were frustrated that Diamond doesn't, for instance, carry uh, women's shirts, Kay, that 
you know, really are cut for women. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and especially, uh, bigger, bigger sized women and stuff. And they're like, well, diamonds, like, there's n- the numbers aren't there. And I can appreciate that frustration, but their mistake is a huge opportunity for a lot of other people to make a lot of money. But the numbers because are you're gonna, all there. The numbers aren't going to be there if they never sell the stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I've been coming to Comic Con every year. Well, not to give my for quite some time. Just leave it at that. Since last century, (laughs) and uh, it took me yeah, it took me ten years to get certain people at certain booths to actually have a conversation with me, and not just the man I was standing by. And I would come sometimes with John, sometimes with a friend from high school or from college, and they assumed I was just the girlfriend of whoever I was standing next to, so I must not be interested in whatever property was there. But I I think we've hit the point where the demographics for comics have changed to be pretty much everybody in a very literal sense. I mean, you look at 10 years ago when the podcasting stuff started – it's like, hey, you know, we've got Smallville on the air. That's cool. But, you know, can we really expect much more? Right now, DC alone has seven shows that are going to be on the next season. Right. That's one mm-hmm. for every day of the week. I don't know if they're going to space them out that way. I kind of hope they do. Well, just- I know they're like at least Monday through Wednesday, obviously, mm-hmm. is pretty covered. And that's just one company. But you've got uh, uh, the Marvel movies, the TV shows, mm-hmm. all the stuff. It's Netflix. Netflix mm-hmm. with the, the Daredevil stuff. The... The stuff that used to be comic culture is now mainstream. There is something for everybody in this city, in this country, to find at Comic-Con if, if they come look. And if you can't find something you're interested there, take another lap, look a little harder, because it's there. Mm-hmm. It Maybe a little harder. also been interesting, I mean, just listen to Greg Puck. I mean, we're living in a, a – the publishing industry has tre- is being tremendous – being transformed. Indeed. I mean, he's, he's got one foot in – Traditional conventioning, conventional publishing. DC and but he's also doing all kinds of other deals in between from creator owned deals to his own self publishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the whole notion of self publishing has been transformed. I write about it every day in, on, in, in the prose book Absolutely, industry. Man. And it's also happening in comics. Uh, so we've reached a point where, okay, uh, you don't want to publish my book for whatever arbitrary reason. I will. We've got a perfect. We'll see whether anybody wants it because I can put it out myself and I can reach a global audience. Indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that is changing because publishers are also, as we end of the day, publishers are being held, even though they, they many in the traditional book publishing industry, they sort of squeal about it and they're being helped by this new culture of self publishing because they're getting products that have been customer ch- uh, tested. People can come to them and say, you know, I sold three, four, five thousand copies of my book. By myself. Yes. And so what can you do for me? Exactly. I've got a following. There's people that want this book. You know, you've got a global distribution network. What can you do for me? And publishers are seeing this and taking people on. And that literally has changed my line of questioning when I both speak to creators and publishers because it is to the creator, why are you doing this book with Publisher X when you can do it by yourself? And the same with talking to Publisher X and saying, what do you have to offer to this person that they can't do themselves? Because, and in fact, there was a recent kind of cry for help that Kaidi covered on the beat that page rates are lower yes, and things. Yes. But there was a response from another yeah, creator. Yeah, we did and we did talk about actually we did a podcast about that. Yeah, as please well. no, yes. yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I'm sure I'm sure Calvin, you'll be able to explain that, it Well just that there, you know, that there, you know uh, well this is this is uh, the the response now people hear it and then they, they respond in turn, you know, and that's the other thing. I mean I, probably that's one of the greatest things the internet has brought to to fandom is that it's brought this this mass of 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 
of passionate people together, and you and people. I mean, obviously, people used to always send snail mail to each other and to other artists, but now you know people can tap into it, and certainly with social media, it's gotten even more so. So, we, you know, I think as the response to that um, that blog post was really that. Well, it depends on what part of the industry you're talking about. If you're doing your own books, if you're doing trade paperbacks, if you're doing this, then you, you might have a different return on your investment. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's really an exciting time in publishing right now. Uh, and I think both for the conventional industry, which has had to kind of change a lot of practices that frankly were, were hurting them by certainly in comics ignoring one half of the population. How is that good business sense? Um, but also it's empowered artists. Artists have more options than ever before. And the, you know, the argument is still going on. Oh, you know, if you self-publish, you got to do a lot of work. Well, if you conventionally publish, as Pac says, you got to do a lot of work too. You're yeah. the best person. Mm-hmm. The, the artist is the best person really to promote your work. No question. Well, and hopefully you can do it in partnership with a publisher or do it yourself. Well, in the do it yourself, I think the private eye that Brian K. Vaughan yeah. and Marcos Martin did. Perfect example. Excellent example of this. Yeah. They did it digitally. They put it up on their own website mm-hmm. as a pay as much as you like uh, option. Including free. Including free. Yeah. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll freely yeah. admit, I did that. And I read the book at that. least two or three times. It was an amazing yeah. book. They're doing and, it in and print also from a, uh, IDW, and a good and a good, and a good financial success for them, and, oh, the, yes. and then subsequently the deal and with a IDW. Eisner nomination, as exactly. Well. So you, you know. know, one thing that came out, DC had a, a creator summit um, while convergence was going on as they moved the offices to Burbank, and the scuttlebutt I heard from creators in background was that the word from DC was, "Don't think of Marvel as our competition. Our competition is Image." Both from a business standpoint Good and point. also a creative standpoint. Mm-hmm. And that's very interesting. And I do think it's reflected in a lot of the choices that they made, uh, in some of the off-center books that they're currently doing. Batmite, Bizarro, yeah. you know, to name two immediately. Um, and, and I think that's interesting. And I wonder, um, John, as you crunch the numbers, we keep hearing that images, obviously their numbers are rising. I think a lot of the, of the, Newer uh, readership is is coming in wanting this creator own stuff could care less about superhero stuff. Oh yeah. So yeah, uh, the three of you. I don't know what kind of impact you've seen. Uh, you know, you know. Yeah, cool. I've got some co-hosts that are really big on image and stuff. Uh, the main guy I do the reviews with, Drew, is, is just a big image fan. And from a number of, standpoint, though, I'm always from a, like, yeah, what you've been. They're, they're definitely climbing up there. They've got. Uh, it used to be that it was image. Okay, you're looking at the Walking Dead numbers, and that accounts for most of it. That's not the case anymore. Uh, because they've got at least a half dozen new number ones coming out every month. Sure. There are the occasional things that take a while to get to that number two, but in many cases, they're damn well worth the wait. I mean, non-player took four years. It was an amazing second issue. That's kind of an exception, though, and what I like is they've all adopted this rhythm of let's make sure we get five issues to satisfy the retailers and customers, let's take a trade, and if it takes a month or two to get back to the book, so be it. Or, and the retailers are cool with that. The fandom is cool mm-hmm. with that. Saga is a great example of that. They do an arc. They take a little break to, to get back. They do an arc. And those things come out on time. I mean, mm-hmm. there are occasional things that have delays. Pretty deadly. Kelly Sudaconic mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, Emma Rios. And I know Emma's doing other books. And then they're coming back to it later this year. You know what? I what I hear, we do an annual survey. It's not a scientific survey. We talk to anywhere from 10 to 15 retailers in different parts of the country. We just want to get a, a you know a face-to-face so to speak uh, uh response about the the you know the trends we may hear about. And what we hear from retailers in our survey is it's one of the time where we really try to talk to direct market retailers as well as general bookstore owners is that effectively 
they say it's the big three now. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, this isn't necessarily talking about market share and all the rest. This is about what their fans want when they walk into their stores and what the kind of books that they're talking about. And in some stores, the big two includes a Image and one either Marvel or DC drops, one of the drops off. I yeah. would say if I had to pick which of the big two, it would be Marvel, then Image, then DC. And I'm not talking market mm-hmm. share because DC is still way outselling yeah, Image. Yeah. But Image has a better mind share. Yes, They're absolutely. doing more interesting stuff uh, because it's creator-owned. The creators are more passionate about that stuff. Absolutely. Well, and, and certainly, yeah, the DC, I was just going to yeah, say the right. DC product that they've introduced now post-convergence that literally has just started in June is reflecting that, okay, we do have to change our thinking. We do have to cater more to this creator-owned audience. What were you going to say? Uh, the impact of digital uh, cannot be discounted. This is a, 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 a channel that uh, at one point... A retailer's thought was going to destroy them, mm-hmm. but it is actually sending people in the stores. It's not Absolutely. cannibalizing print. It's it's they're acting. It's acting as samplers. People are going are reading stuff on, on very often comicsology, and they are going in the stores and buying them and buying asking the for cover. more like it. Uh, so digital has turned out to be a really great way to basically reach new readers, and that's another thing that we're talking about. Back to the demographics. Uh, the, uh, the, the bigger impact of gender, uh, different tastes of all kind. There's more ways for fans to sample work, to get work in front of more people. Uh, and it's changing, it's changing the world for the better. Well, and not just getting new readers, keeping existing readers. Absolutely. We had somebody who, before well. we started the panel who was talking about they could only keep so many physical copies just because, yeah. you know, they're, I'm getting to the point where there's space limitations. You know, and if digital can keep people reading, even if they're not getting the print stuff, that's that's great. Well, and I'm always curious, and it was interesting to hear that you're doing this kind of cross-section survey about retailers, because we're, John and Kay live in Austin, you're in New York, I'm mm-hmm. in Chicago. They're cosmopolitan enough that we have stores that do welcome those. And I truly do ask people from smaller populated areas in the country – what is your re- local retail like? How much do the, of the creator-owned stuff do they put in there? Because I do know from being a fly on the wall at Diamond Retailer Summits that there still are pockets of stores that pretty much just you know do superheroes and that's it. Yeah. And and you know and again it's based on it's that thin margin of succeeding or failing in retail to begin with. If if you look so, at the premier publishers, uh, Marvel, DC, Image, uh, Dark Horse, and IDW. They typically account for 93% of the total unit sales for the top 300 comics. So that means everybody in the back half is really just selling a, a fraction of that or falling below the, the radar of the top 300. It's just not profitable for a store to take a risk on that. And it's a yeah. shame. Well, but again, because of these other avenues and stuff, they can, uh, you know, through digital and stuff, they can make enough. I mean, yep. the, I know the creator owned uh, Scott Snyder made that point very clear. That he makes more money doing witches with Image than he does writing Batman. Mm-hmm. And that su- might be surprising. But again, and some of these books that maybe wouldn't get greenlit from a publisher, if they do self-publish, much like our own podcasting and stuff, we can gather enough of an audience mm-hmm. coming from broadcasting to do the type of show that I do. I, you know, they say thank you and there's the door. But I do have a significant thousand, uh, audience in the thousands globally that it does make an impact, it does make a difference, and luckily creators are willing to come back and talk to me. And the same obviously goes for their product and trying to sell it. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much Witches is selling through the Diamond stuff off the top of my head, but I know Batman has been doing 115000 plus for the entire time of the new 52. So if he's making more at Image 
with with witches and stuff than at Batman, which is typically the top selling ongoing book. That says something right yeah. there about where creators should be spending their time. And then you have the phenomenon of crowdfunding. Yeah. Particularly after yeah, you, I wanted Greg if you've to got a, if you've got a, a profile, if you've got a career going, a legacy, um, if you've got a, a, an online presence that's significant, it's pretty amazing what Kickstarter is doing all across publishing. Indeed, mm-hmm. and not just create Kickstarter because yeah, I know yeah. people who have failed on Kickstarter and have gone to GoFundMe or Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Indiegogo, yeah. and yeah. it's good because. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, get the money that you can if you did, you know, because some some still do that pie in the sky number of I need, you know, a high five or a mid five figure sum to make my book, and it's like, all right, good luck, and you got a guy like Jimmy Palmiotti yeah, that has well, it down t- literally to a science. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the diamond numbers. Bob Wayne stepped down this year from DC or, or late last year, I know, and didn't make the move to Burbank. And it's funny, he was handing cards out uh, at the con so far, and he says he'll be available in November. And he's a guy that I would really like to kind of help me crack the code in terms of I understand the, the diamond numbers are estimates. They're the re- what the well, retailers buy. And I know, John, this is something you study all the time. Technically, they're not estimates. They are an indexed ranked list of what was invoiced to, to retailers. So Batman's used, that's 100%. So if something sells a 50 index rank, that means it sold half of whatever Batman did. So really, it's just algebra at that point. You know, solve for X, you can unlock the list. Uh, but <laughs> yes, if you were good at algebra, but, but go on. <laughs> yeah, 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 forget about some it. Of us, some of Jim? us were like reading at a comic book inside of that, that yeah, man. mathematics that text. Sleeping. But <laughs> that aside, that aside. Uh, but what is most understood about it is it's only what Diamond is selling to the retailers. It's not what retailers yes. are selling to, to readers. In, this is a, a B to B to C, a business to business mm-hmm. to consumer business. And publishers need to sell to that retailer's uh, base. That's their their business uh, customers. They need to, in turn, sell to the, the, the readers like us. And it's it's a tough chain. But it's also not accounting for any of the sales happening in that huge convention center behind True. us. Yeah, right. You know. Right. Or any, or, right. you know, a lot of them are convention warriors. I know God, Art and Franco. I did their spotlight panel on Thursday mm-hmm. and they said for years, we're selling more comics hand to hand at cons. And sometimes Diamond was, you know, Absolutely. giving them grief about, well, you don't sell enough to be in our book. Our and, and also, uh, you know, uh, places like Neil, Nielsen Bookscan, where you, you hear more and more quoted for, for book sales in the book trade, but they don't count library sales, for instance. Wow. Okay. So Their uh, point could, of sale system for like Barnes and Noble and Mo, like 70% of the retailers? Are they, yeah. Well, you know, the numbers. Box. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, they say 80%, you know, of. We're a little dubious. We in the past we have we I think we've raised our number now. We used to say seventy percent, um, but I mean it's a, it's a, it's a useful number, but it's not everything. And and I, very often, <clears throat> I remember years ago uh, when Gene uh, Yang's American Born Chinese came out, and the numbers on I, I would talk to the publisher, and he would just say, you know, the numbers were just going on up and up and up. You look on Bookscan, and you know it was like five thousand copies. And, you know, and it had won the Pritzker, it had won all of these alien Literary awards. Literary awards, yeah. Every, yeah. In a, in a, to a where every library in the world was ordered. It's, there's no way that the Scan numbers were correct. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned libraries because, yes, you're right. I mean, this impact yeah. is obviously tangible. And there, I know Derek, is it Derek Taylor that works it? No, it's uh, Daryl. Uh, Daryl Royal. Yes. Actually, he, one of his co-hosts is the librarian. Oh, okay. I thought it was uh, Daryl that actually worked at the library, but no, go ahead. no. Uh, but no, it's like that is an area that I would think you know is significant and needs to be kind of reported more in what mm-hmm. kind of impact it's having. And by the way, as we sit in the library, yeah. if you you know, I because there's a lot of college readers that hey man, I can't afford comics. Go to your library. 
because that's the good news. I mean, Absolutely. they are supporting comics in such a positive way. And it is a wonderful chance for you to really borrow and, and, and enjoy the, the culture as much, you know, when you can't afford to. Yeah. If, if you're a local person here in the room, I mean, check out the library behind us. So we're in the auditorium. Oh, yeah. The main thing, it's, it's an amazing library. You can go across the street to the convention center. Also get a library card there if you need. Libraries are, again, just such an outreach program. Uh, as is digital, as is, yeah. you know, I mean, there's so many ways to, to get involved with the comic stuff these New, days. Uh, I, I did some reporting on this just, just before uh, Comic-Con. Hoopla. Uh, yes, I'm glad you mentioned Hoopla. Go Hoopla, on. Hoopla, which is a, a long, uh, you know, a vendor to libraries, uh, content to libraries for, for years, I think about 25 or 30 years. Um, libraries are, uh, have been in a bit of a conflict with both traditional book publishers uh, and, and some comics publishers over l lending, you know, e version digital versions of, mm. of, of titles. But more and more now, you know, the, the uh, librarians are, uh, are convincing them that, look, once again, we're bringing you new customers. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. like, and the, we're not undercutting sales. We're actually bringing you more sales. And in addition, they're looking for ways to lend digitally. And there's been some some efforts to provide things that haven't really worked. But Hoopla looks very interesting. They have a new app out. They uh, basically, if you have a if you have a library card, a public library card, you have access to Hoopla. you get an app that basically gives you access to thousands of comics, frontless uh, stuff, movies and too, more all the time. Yeah, video too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's all that. kinds of content, but they've just added comics. Hoopla just added comics, and they just signed a deal, so they've got DC. And they are going to be, and I, I was told I could say this, they are going to be um, adding image comics. Oh, how, I wonder how recent from the time of release to being on there. I'm not sure. That I can't tell you exactly. Uh, there is some front list, but I don't know how what the determination okay. I, is. I need of to front check list. that out. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of backlist. There's also a Netflix model for comics that has just appeared this year, and I and I'm forgetting well, the name. Well, that's essentially. I mean, in some ways, what you're seeing with Hoopla, uh, that is that but, is it. But, but a script, for instance, script, thank script, you. Uh, yes. Uh, script is one of the uh, e-book e subscription How are they doing, man? Because uh, I had them on at the beginning of the year as well, and uh, it's six you know, months in. They're doing they great doing? as far as delivering comics. Now, there's a lot of debate about whether they're actually making any money and whether they can, can – everybody's kind of wondering what their um, their business model actually is. And I'm, I'm actually walking, trying to get from one pound to another, and this guy basically tackles me. It's a company called Comics Blitz. They are also – and e-comics e subscription service. So like they're Netflix. They're beta right now, yes. Okay, so they are, yeah. They are, they're exactly, they're in they, subscription they're beta. and then read as much um, as you want. I don't think they have a table here, but there's a guy walking around. They're going to be launching uh, at, uh, I think, the, the, the Boston uh, Festival that's coming up in a month or two. Excellent. Well, so, yeah. Well, we look forward to that, and I and I intend to have one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations on my podcast with our, our panelists. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I hope it was entertaining. Uh, thank you for uh, supporting uh, Comic Book Podcasts, and uh, we look forward to the next 10 years and beyond. Thanks so lot. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.